wake up with the sun and struggle through the day and every passing morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wayfinder Podcast, a pseudoscientific, quasi-philosophical, non-expert discussion platform that we've set up for you guys so that we can try to help everyone find some balance in their lives. Try to figure out what we're doing. Today's episode is brought to you after like three months of jacking with technical difficulties, and it's well worth the wait. Uh, we sat down and talked with Brittany and Chris Carmichael, two awesome, glowing, incredible people. Um, Chris is a hypnotherapist, and Brittany is a psychic, and... Uh, these guys had so much to say, and it was so awesome to sit down and talk with them uh, to dig into science and spirituality and how the journey of, uh, of Brittany and Chris, uh, they complemented each other, and they were completely different, something that I can relate with in my own life, with my relationship with my girlfriend, and I know that a lot of people can. Um, using self-love to fill your cup so that you can help others fill theirs. Uh, we talked about how stress kills and how we need to do a better job of taking care of ourselves, especially the healers and the intuitives and the empathic people. Um, we talked about how intuitive empaths uh, or sensitive people can use weight, like gaining weight and lots of eating and stuff like that, to, uh, to put on weight and sort of how that becomes like a, a protective sort of armor that they wear out into the world. Um, we talked about the importance of maintaining positive relationships and we even talked about how Chris and Britt went vegan like six and a half years ago. Chris lost over 100 pounds, and I can't remember how much Brittany lost, but they look amazing. They're vibrant, glowing, healthy, active people, uh, and they're helping change the world, and they're doing such a great job. It was an awesome conversation, and uh, I'm really excited to finally get to share it with you guys. Just so you know, this has been like literally three or four months, I think, in the making. Um, we've had one problem after another, computers crashing, hard drives crashing, files corrupting, we lost half the video files. So if you're watching this on YouTube, um, you're gonna see one camera angle and not the other, which is a shame because you're seeing me instead of these two beautiful people across the desk from me. But it was still, you get you get the conversation and that was awesome. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. And uh, without further ado, Brittany and Chris Carmichael on the Wayfinder Podcast. And we're live. Welcome to the Wayfinder Podcast. Got Britt and Chris with us. Two amazing, awesome, mindful, wonderful human beings. How are you guys doing? So fabulous. Fantastic. Me too. Um, we've been catching up a little bit, and uh, we have so much to talk about. We have so much to talk about. Like decades worth. Yeah, decades worth of stuff. Um, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But you guys are out trying to change the world, make it a better place. I don't think we're trying. I feel like you're succeeding. I think we are. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what it's all about in my book. This this whole show, and by the time the listeners have heard this portion, I'll do a, a brief intro, go back and, and pre-record a little intro to stick in there. But it's, you know, welcome to the Wayfinder Podcast, where we're here about trying to make the world a better place. Some other stuff in there. But essentially, that's the gist of it, is everything we talk about, we want it to be informative and enlightening and insightful and uplifting in its own way. But really, it's all aimed at helping people to find balance in their lives anything that can help you to find balance and help you to uh, give back and to reciprocate that balance and to spread that balance around so that eventually we can make a more balanced world and that the whole place can just be better, right? When I was camping as a little kid, my parents were always like, we'd leave a campsite. And they're like, make sure you leave it better than you found it. So that's kind of just become our philosophy in our household for the world. 
Let's just leave it better than we found it. What do you think? I love that. He's definitely speaking my Libra language of balance. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like so often we forget that we're the change makers. You know, we think that there's going to be some hero that rides in on this white horse. And we're always kind of waiting for that hero, almost like the princess in a fairy tale. But the reality is, is that we're that hero. We're the one that can change everything. As a matter of fact, we're the only one that can change it for us. And it's so beautiful how you say that, because when you're ready to make a difference in the world, the first place you're gonna make the difference is with yourself. It's with you, and then it spirals out from there. I'm obsessed with spirals. So the whole Fibonacci thing, like yeah. to me, like that is like the most meaningful symbol. That's why in our logo, we've got the spiral with a question mark, right? Yeah. And it's, you're right, it, it starts with you, and it spirals, the change, whatever change you affect, everything that goes on in your life that says something about you and does something to you, it starts with, with you inside and it spirals out to, to all your relationships and interactions and you create this whole world of experience from there. I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, talking about being the hero of your own story, JC and I were doing a podcast with Freedom Faction a couple weekends ago and we were talking about that book, The Alchemist. Have you guys read it? Yeah. He's a hero in his own story. And I was just re-listening to that the other day and you were like, you know, this is a, this is a, a, a book that shows you that you are the hero in your own movie. You're the hero in your own storyline. That's what it's all about. And you're right, so many people just don't get it. Like you're just waiting. Even if it's not like a religious waiting, like for a religious figure or whatever, but it's in their life, they're always waiting for something to happen. And, and it's, I think it comes from a place of disempowerment and confusion. Yeah, I think the the disempowerment part comes from us always wanting certainty. Like everybody wants, Damn. we want to be certain about our financial life, we want to be certain about our marriage, our relationship life, want to be just certain about everything. And so what we do is it makes us afraid to be uncertain. And that fear allows us to allow and let authority decide what, so we wait for authority to tell us, okay, now you can do that. Do okay, you think, do you think you that's conditioned from childhood? Of, oh, we condition our kids to do what they're told and We'll stand in line at it, all through school. Raise your hand to speak. Like we're always being conditioned and programmed. That's what I think the institution of school is for children is like to program us into essentially robots who are used to going from nine to five, you know, and being told what to do. So yeah. we've already experienced that for 18 plus years. And then we go to college and do the same cycle. And then we go to work for other people and build their empire. Not a lot of time to know? stop and think about the whole fucking thing, is there? No, they're no. constantly saying, okay, <laughs> on to the next one, on to the next one. Keep and I think that that's ladder. it. Yeah, yeah. Keep climbing that ladder. Keep, Keep climbing, climbing the ladder. ladder. If you just jump off the ladder, you'll realize you're not very high up it, what, despite where whatever you think my girlfriend always says that uh, you know about jumping off the ladder she's like we're, we're afraid that there's a pit but there's really a feather bed it's true you know you just got to take that that's what they call it, a leap of faith yeah yeah you know it's but off it's, the damn ladder it's yeah exactly <laughs> that's, it's a leap of faith off the damn ladder that's yeah there's a soundbite for you um but no no chris your, your your point about like we we want the assurance to be there that it's all going to be okay yeah like there's no risk you know because that's kind of what we tell our kids is like you stand in line, you know, you do this, you do that, and this is the safe way to do it, and this is going to make sure that this outcome happens or whatever, but it's like, you know, you go turn your kids loose out in the woods and you go say, like, hey, have at it, see what happens. 
Yep. You it's, know, it's so sad because most people want that assurance. But what I have learned and I'm sure everyone else has had a trauma or an experience or, you know, life happens where something you're going about your normal reality, which is your comfort zone. And then something happens that throws you off. Like, for example, my mom's stroke in 2012. That wasn't planned. I didn't have certainty. There was no like I didn't know if she's going to wake up the next day. There was definitely no certainty after the experience. And so I was forced to live in the present moment I was forced to come back to this moment and go okay well she's breathing right now so you know like I don't care about tomorrow was that a turning point for you absolutely in and what way in so many ways and one it brought me back to the present moment so many of us are trying to climb this ladder or be somewhere else or attain some goal but what is true is that the present moment is where it's at. That's the only time that we have, and we're not promised tomorrow. My mom almost didn't wake up from a stroke during a hysterectomy surgery. And so for to watch her go from completely paralyzed to not being able to speak to having this sheer determination to with like to regain all of her strength was so motivating to me and it actually that's when I developed real faith like we have like talk about the hero's journey we have to go through some shit otherwise we'll never develop faith because we're in our comfort zone and it's boring and assured but that's bullshit because we know that that's not true life happens right it does so I'm so we're my mom will say this today we're so thankful that that happened because there were a lot of things that needed to change within her life my life our relationships our family dynamic and all of it um, shed light on those changes we needed to make and and it essentially forced us so I always now say don't wait until a trauma happens to change if you already have an intuitive hit like there's things that need to change make them now because you can start small don't wait till they turn into a stroke you know yeah yeah that stuff builds up yeah you know, we carry a lot of that shit around. I don't know what your mom's story is. How's she doing, though? She's doing great. We just celebrated seven years after her stroke. Oh, so wow. That happened in Thank 2012. God. I know. She, she's an amazing lady. She is such an amazing lady, and I think that was a part of the problem, is that she's such a lover and a giver and a peacemaker that she was trying to take on everyone else's problems. And when she She's the ultimate healer. She is definitely when, a healer. You know, you have those these magical women. And, of course, men do this, too. But I think that women, Chris, you could jump in here if you if I'm wrong, but or if you feel differently. But but the really wonderful, soft-hearted women have a, have an especially high um, like propensity to over overheal or to overgive of themselves emotionally in a way that I think eats at them. A thousand percent. You know I mean, what I mean? The the amount of people that you know it's weird because you start doing this kind of work, you start doing the healing work. People come to you, they find you. Like you, people are like well, how you do create you space for oh, it. Oh, yeah, and they flood in. You're like, how am I meet? How am I meeting these random people? And why are they telling me this random spot about their life? And we're in the grocery store line, and this has nothing to do with chips. I mean, like, what, <laughs> what, what is happening right now? But, but they, but they come to us, and, and it's women especially. I mean, some guys do. It, it, it's guys don't reach out as much. Yeah, I think that as guys, we always, I mean, if you think about culture way back in the day, guys were being the hunters, so they're going out being silent. They're not talking to the guy next to them. There's no friend around. They're just doing their job. They're getting the stuff. They're coming back to the village. Meanwhile, the women sat around just talk to each other all day. So they have fantastic social skills. So they will come and reach out because they're used to getting help from the tribe. Meanwhile, the men are always on the outside going, well, I'll just, I guess it's just me, you know, I guess yeah. I just screwed it up. And I just won't ask anybody and I'll just, you know, be here. And so often we deal with that, but the women, the ones that are the givers, man, it, they always forget to give to themselves. They always forget that that's the part. They're that last in line. Always. They feed the kids first, it, which it, means the kids is everybody else. 
Yeah. It's 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 all the kids in their own mind, and I think more the more powerful the healing skills and the healing capacity is for for a woman particularly, um, uh, the further back in line they they put themselves. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I I've known your mom, so the story kind of here for the for the audience is that Brittany and I, God, we've known each other since we were born. Yeah. You know, our parents were friends. Yep. And we, we grew up, it was like a cousin relationship. We were always around each other's families. I remember being over at your house when I was little. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing, wonderful parents. Your dad was the first musician I ever met. I play guitar, everybody knows that. Wow. Like music's a big part of my life, but your dad's somebody who just is never far from my mind when I play music, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of cool to be able to tell you that as grownups now at this That's, point. It's crazy to like fast forward so many years. And how long has it been since we've seen each other? I mean, I honestly don't even know. I mean, like t- I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, 20 years. Yeah, because you're, you're my younger sister's age. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. um, you guys were younger than me. And so y'all probably had some contact that, I, you, that you and I, many for many years right, right. after you and I had any contact. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you were just a little shit last time I saw you. Uh, nothing's changed. <laughs> I figure as much. I'm yeah, a little sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Chris Chris has been over here just going, yeah, it's still the same story. It's, I, I knew it was going to be like that when Britt's mom pulled me aside one day and said, hey, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. Yeah, you knew you were in for it. <laughs> I was like, you know, you, you warned me after. You warned me late <laughs> in the game. The warning is normally supposed to happen before I need this you walk in one. the woods. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad we got, got to get hooked back up. And I'm so glad that your mom is doing well. But I do think that that's what happens. I think that, that these wonderful healing women, my mom's one of them too, that they, they can overgive and then they, they cultivate these problems inside themselves. They're like the silent killers and the silent attackers and all that stuff. I think a big part of your work to me, what, what, got, what got me into your work um, a few months ago when I rediscovered what, what you were up to from my sister which was so super cool to see you guys and see your journey, which um, we're definitely gonna dig into big time here. But um, was uh, that story about your mom and the story of, of your realization that like, hey, a lot of these wonderful big hearted women uh, and people in general, but you know, certainly within women, are they're killing themselves taking care of other people and they're neglecting themselves. I think a lot of that comes from not knowing how to properly love themselves, love everybody else first. So why don't you tell me about what you're doing with Shine School and how that is helping to empower women everywhere to recognize their potential. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So Shine School was born because of my mom's stroke because when I asked her after she regained speech, you know, why did you do this to yourself? We had just watched the Secret documentary. So yeah. we were under this idea that we create our reality, right. the thoughts that we think. And so I just was like, straight up, why'd you do this? And she said, because everybody needed something from me. And that's when I realized. And I've always, I, it's so funny because I always watched her growing up being such a giver and such a lover um, and bringing homeless people in and having them sleep in our guest bedroom and like some stuff where it's a little questionable. Sounds you like know? JC. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, it's a little questionable, but she always just had such a beautiful heart. Well-intentioned. And and I always felt like people took advantage of her. I saw this other perspective where there were so many energy vampires that would be thankless. And um, so it kind of taught me to like harden myself and to not be so giving. Um, So I had a lot of boundaries and uh, I protected myself with a lot of weight. And so in my own life, I was struggling with self-love. You say you protected yourself with weight. Yeah. Would you tell me a little bit more about what that how that, what that means to you? Because I think that's such a such a beautiful way to put it. I mean, 
a tough way to put it, but yeah. it's but it's such a true and accurate way to put it because I've you know got these ideas about how we look and how we feel and how the outside is an expression of the inside and and we don't just put on weight just because we put on weight. It creates a barrier, you know. Tell me about that. Yeah. So as healers, empaths, sensitives, people that can feel, um, when we take on a lot of negativity, I feel like we store it in fat cells as protection. Um, we take on other people's pain and we don't know what to do with it because we're not taught as empaths or healers how to transmute the energy. And so a lot of us take it and put it right onto our into our system. And we're not taught how to properly, um, what'd you say? Transmute. How to transmute it. That's it. Yeah. We're, 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 our alchemy skills are low. Yep. Non-existent. Non-existent. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Keep going. I'm going to keep jumping in because I love I love what you're saying. Yeah. So for for an example, one of the things that you can do as an empath is to use your imagination to surround yourself and your aura with a protective, glowing white light when you're dealing with anybody else. I mean, hell, anytime I walk out of the house, I'm like zipped up on the <laughs> walking up the stairs. I'm like making my aura glow real big, you know, because whether we think that's woo woo or silly or whatever, it, it is woo woo. <laughs> and you know what? And it fucking works. It works. It works. Woo woo. You know. I mean, what what is more woo woo than the just whole field it. of psychology? It's true. You know, you study you know study clinical psychology, and you just see it. Some could just call it you know abject bullshit, but I prefer just woo woo. But that's like clinical psychology, and there are like a lot of big clinical psychologists that are coming out that are really sharp that are saying our whole field is founded in bullshit. It's really kind of woo woo. It's kind of a lot of spooky shit. But it's like we're getting to the point. One of the reasons I think we're in such a beautiful time. I'm going to try not to rant on this too much, but is that we're at a place where the woo-woo and the, the, the not woo-woo are, 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 are meeting an intersection, right? Where zipping yourself up in a, in a psychic spacesuit to go walk outside to the mall is actually what psychologists are telling people to do in not exactly those words. And you start to realize that the woo-woo sort of spiritual way of looking at things, which is how all of our ancestors for thousands of years looked at things, we're back to a point where their, their level of understanding and the way that they explain it is better than ours. And we're just, the next step is like, we're almost having to work around making an effort to not use those words just for the sake of not using those words. And that's that's the bridge of understanding that I want to bridge here. And that's yeah. why I'm so fucking excited about you guys being here. I was going to say, well, you picked the perfect two people to bring on to the podcast because I went down the path of woo-woo and Chris went down the path of science and we merged together realizing same. that they are one and the same. One's trying to explain in a different language. So to your question earlier about shine school it was built because we're not given the tools to learn how to heal our energy or protect our energy or even talk about energy or auras or chakras or anything like that or hell even just to schedule some self-care in our calendar as simple <laughs> as that we're not taught that we're not told to make that a priority but that's what it's going to take for us to be a light leader and change the world otherwise your eye just twitched when i said that so you know like we have to start making changes and it starts with being selfish and if that's how people want to view it as self-care is selfish then let's then let's just be okay with that you know well i mean if you're entirely selfless the whole empty cup thing right like right, you'll it, burn out stroke out something yeah talk to your <laughs> yeah. mom right exactly that's what's going to happen to all of us we got you've got to schedule some time i say that's what's going to happen to all of us if we don't right if we don't take the time out to to refill our cup to re-energize yeah. brings up a cool thing for me um your tribe the people you surround yourself with and how important that can be 
because we can all recharge each other's batteries. You know, if you surround yourself with energy vampires because you have a healing spirit and you're an empath, people just, especially energetically needy people, a lot of times people who aren't making the best decisions in their lives, who aren't taking the best advice in their lives, they just want to keep pulling on the empaths and pulling on the healers, right? And it sucks it out of you. Not saying that we should cast the, you know, the, the sick and infirm and the stupid aside, but people have to make decent decisions in their lives, at least at some point, you know what I mean? And if you surround yourself with the, the wrong people and you choose to keep giving of yourself, it's, a, it's an energy drain on you. What I've found, a lot of people are lacking, it's like a really solid tribe of people around them. Yeah. Like upli- uplifting, loving, authentic people. We all fuck up, like big time, we all do it, but it's like people who just consistently try to do better with their lives, who just try to be uplifting, try to help people see you know the the silver lining whenever shit gets dark but that also holds you accountable for the things that you know you might need to work on too yeah don't you think that like people having a problem being authentic like showing up as their authentic self would lead to that not being able to meet your soul tribe or be surrounded by that because if you're not showing up as who you are then you're going to be attracting the people that you're pretending to be yeah, I think that's one of the problems. That, I mean, that's a huge one. It's because like you you attract what you start putting out, and a lot of times, if you're going to be that fake person, you're going to attract more. I've been there. Fake people. We'll get there later. And then the other part is that one of the things that we discovered, and one of like the dis- the rules that we live by, and and this came through a lot of just like grit effort. And it's a simple rule, but we live by the seven or above rule. And so that means with your friends, with your life, with whatever you're doing, if it doesn't rank a seven or above, don't do it. Scrap it completely. See how easy that is to like, I mean, that's like you can automatically when you have a new decision, you go, oh, is that a seven or above? Oh, it's not. Not doing it. Forget it. And a lot of people, what they end up doing is if if you can imagine. So your friends take up time. If you have a new friend in your life, they're going to take up time. But if you're still holding on to a bunch of fours, where's the space for the seven to come in? Like they're not going to be there. It's, it's God, not going to be able a, to happen. That's such a, we were just talking the other day at the company about dropping our bottom 5% clients. Yeah. You know, which is a pretty common business practice among successful businesses. But you just sort of formulated that into your personal life, which I think is beautiful. Well, it's like gardening. You have to trim back like the dead branches and the lesser performing fruits to allow for more of your energy to go into the ones that are thriving. That's it. What a good point. And a lot of times when you end up making those changes where you tell people or you start phasing people out of your life, it doesn't, a lot of people worry, well, I'm not going to have any friends or everyone's going to hate me or, or, or whatever. But what really ends up happening is people will go away for a while and then the ones who are really meant to stay there will come back. That's happened so many times with us and they come back a different person. And you're like, you're seven now. I can see it. I can tell you're on the up and up. And maybe you kicking them off the bridge was what they really needed to get their shit together. Where they said, oh, I, I had some problems. Maybe I need to start focusing on myself, not be such an energy vampire. That's such a good point. People, people have a sense of, you know, we're electromagnetic. You know, it's sort of the way that we work. And there's sort of like a need and a fulfillment sort of, you know, electromagnetic thing going on. It's like, what do I need and what can you do? And whenever there's a balance there, I like that you, you mentioned that some of these people walk away from you and then they come back. Kind of figured it out there was some shit i needed to work on and the right people will figure that stuff out and that's kind of cool when that happens too we've seen that happen it's cool because if you were hanging out with them in the first place it means that you saw something in them you know mm-hmm. and so for them to walk away and go on their own journey 
and then come back. You're like, oh, cool. Like, so this is actually a supposed to be kind of thing. How important do you think it is to have positive people around you? Oh, yeah, and how do you see that in, in your worldview when you look out amongst the rest of the world? Do you feel like that's something that everybody's got a great tribe going on? Or do you feel like, kind of like I do, that like people are not really, a lot of people are missing how important that is? Well, in a longevity study they did, the only common thread that the people that were living the longest they had relationships and deep connections. So it wasn't drinking green juice or doing yoga or living in the Himalayas. It was having meaningful relationships. So I think, you know, they say you are a makeup of the five closest people you keep. So um, I think it's absolutely pertinent to you as a person and your personal development and you're going to outgrow those five people so that core will change over time you know it's to who is contributing chris always says that true love is investing in another spiritual growth so i would like to think of those five people as you know those that are investing i like that and those that are helping to uplift you and teach you you may bring people into the circle that you aspire to be like will you guys be our friends Absolutely, okay. we're here. We're here. Yeah, you guys are our friends. It's official. <laughs> this is we're a seven here. Above, see? Yeah, yeah. You this guys is... had snacks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we fed Brit. She's like, we're, we're homies for life. True that. It's my ride or die. <laughs> had a fucking meat tray out there, and she's like, "All right, you're cool." No, no, you guys know I've been vegan for six years, but they how's did that going have for you? Strawberries. Absolutely. I do want to hear about that. Amazing. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, for real. She did. Uh, she did not eat meat. I was just totally fucking yeah. with y'all. Just strawberries. Strawberries. <laughs> is that all you ate? Yeah. Is, there is that all we had that you could eat? No, you had a whole fruit tray, but the strawberries just look so Calling delicious. You. Yeah. yeah. How did everything else look? I didn't even see. Besides the meat. <laughs> Besides the murder. It Besides was great. The, the death on a the, the death plate over there. Yeah, so um, I think you would be the perfect person to share about the science behind why we went vegan and how it turns to a spiritual endeavor. Yeah. What a good story. Th this is this is a two-part story. The first is the first time we ever did mushrooms. The first part is the first time we ever did mushrooms. I get this. We saw or became, rather, a version of ourselves, and that self didn't eat meat. And it was weird because I'd never even thought, I'd never even considered that. That That's not a thought that I was, that wasn't a thing. That's yeah. not a thing in my life. We're from Texas. It's not a thing. Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not how we roll. We weren't raised like that. Not even close. Well, I don't know what level of pussy you have to be to not eat meat, but we, we don't raise them in this house. Uh, no, not not at all. And so I saw that version. Now, the next day after the mushroom trip, I was not that version again. You know, just I, I saw the version, but I was not the version. For for people who've, who've done mushrooms, this is going to make a lot of sense to you. Yeah. Because you can totally be a person there. Yeah. And have that experience of being that person. All the pains and ails and challenges and victories and life experiences and hopes and wishes of that person. And know what it's like. And then the next day go, I'm not that person. Yeah. But and like, that's when the work begins. And that's when the work and, begins. And so, and that's so when the spiritual journey when, begins. When she was talking earlier about her going down the woo-woo path and me going down the science path, what ended up happening was that day after mushrooms, I didn't feel as the good as the day that I was on the mushrooms. And I thought but I want to be that guy, like, yeah. I, but I'm not that guy. And I told Britt, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm going to figure out how to be that guy. And Amen. so I went down the spirit road or the, the science road and she went down the spirit road. And what ended up happening eventually is our paths totally crossed. I Again, it, it took forever for us to actually become vegan. Uh, it was multi years after that, but a lady came up to me talking about the free membership at CrossFit. The lady came up to me at CrossFit and she said, so I hear you're the guy to ask about anything. So um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I have all these diseases and the doctors 
have given up on me. They basically said they can't figure anything out. This, not, just go home because there's, there's nothing they can do for me. And so she goes, well, what do you think you could do? And I was like, well, I, I don't know, but I, I can read. I can buy some books. I can read a bunch of stuff. I, I figured it out. And so I end up looking for what is like the one thing that's kind of the cure-all. What's, what could I hit like, you know, with a sledgehammer? And, 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 and what I end up finding out in a lot of the research is having more of an alkaline body, mm -hmm. right? And so I didn't equate that with being vegan, but if you look at the alkaline list, it's all vegetables. It's all like, uh, you know, leafy greens yeah. and stuff like that. And so I told the lady, look, I've come up with a little bit of a formula. I've got a little plan for you. You try this out for 30 days. And as a matter of fact, I'll try it out with you because I wouldn't ask you to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do. Sure. So I'll just eat foods off this list, all these few other things. And it was great because she was going to, she's a documentary person. So she's going to make a, a documentary about the whole process. So we end up seeing her, we, we do, we start doing it. Britt does it with me and we're vegan. We're, we're CrossFit, we're eating the plants and all stuff. And I feel phenomenal. I'm beating people in workouts. I'd never be able to beat it. I mean, just, it, I was so full of energy. I was so vibrant. Like it just, I slept better. Just everything was better. All of a sudden I just started feeling better. No, no idea why. C come, come to the end of that 30 days. So we were just going to do it for a month. We fly into Colorado and go to smash burger it's my birthday i'm like dude i'm about to tear oh, up the smash burger you're about to fuck yourself up gotta get the do. milkshake gotta get the all, all the stuff we and went so, full out and <laughs> so, i mean so i went ham right i mean it's my birthday I, i'm in colorado we're getting we're getting wild <laughs> so i start eating and i start eating i think we made it about halfway through and i'm, I'm like i feel awful again all the all the things that were wonderful all of a sudden feel bad and and i'm remembering what i felt like before this 30 days yeah and we haven't eaten meat since. Yeah, that was it. That we was looked at each day. other and we were like, never again. How That's long ago was that? Six and a half years. God, you guys are so hot. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know? What's crazy is he was 275 pounds before. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because the, the listeners don't know. Talk about protection. You know? So, sure. so how much transformation has taken place? <laughs> you know what I mean? I know it's, it's why we allotted a couple hours for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's really what this is, what this conversation to me is about, mm -hmm. is about transformation and maintenance of, of betterment of yourself. Like, I think, you know, mushrooms gave us the vision and uh, life experiences like my mom's stroke uh, forced us into action. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot about self-discovery and asking, am I living a seven or above? Am I saying yes out of obligation? Am I, am I living uh, my passions? Am I going after what feels good? And, and a lot of the answers weren't in alignment with what we wanted and what we had envisioned for our life. And it was because we weren't taking the same action that would be required to live that kind of life and mushrooms showed you that initially 100 percent. and that was because of a joe rogan stand-up he started talking about doing mushrooms and how he had this crazy experience and i told chris we had never done drugs chris was like i don't know 30 <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and uh i i said you know i've always been i've never wanted to do drugs but i've always been curious about mushrooms and that was it like we saw the joe rogan thing and we were on a mission i think that was the beginning it was like our spiritual journey began when we put out a call to the universe like we want to know truth and we're okay with the pain that comes with that they say ignorance is bliss and now i know why <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh they're not an easy thing to do a lot of people are are getting um finally catching on to uh, the fact that, that mushrooms are different you know heroin and mushrooms are not the same thing just because they're both schedule one narcotics and in, in the government's eyes 
you know well, what I mean? Same with marijuana too. I mean, or cannabis, you know, like um, schedule one, really? Like, come on. Now is it, is it still schedule one everywhere that it's legal? Is that what it is? Because I mean, it seems like it'd be crazy if if it's legal in Colorado and like twenty other states, and then it's Schedule One and all the rest of them. Like, what the fuck is that? Do you, does anyone here know that? Well, oh, I'm sure the, the, the audience will tell us. Yeah, so, I'm soon not. Enough. I don't know what it is to this date, but even no matter what it is, but it it'd should be crazy. Be, it should be balanced. It's crazy. It should be equal. Well, there there's, there should be there should be some sort of it, it, you know. As a science guy, Chris, you'll you'll get this, but there's got to be like scientific reasoning at some point that makes sense of it, like. It, cost oh, no. or the, it's called the, money yeah but i mean the risk benefit i mean like you know if you if you want to i'm saying from the government standpoint if you're going to put a schedule one on something and it's like okay well like it's you know it's ld50 rating is this if you take so much of it it'll kill you or you know like the only way you're going to i think joe rogan said like the only way you're going to die from marijuana is if you get hit by a load of it falling out of a cia <laughs> drug plane right you know what i mean right. like it's just not a dangerous drug mm -hmm. and most of the danger that comes from it's getting caught with it you know what I mean? Yeah, or shot by the police for you having definitely it. definitely fall asleep before you ever OD. I mean, it, it would take the, the amount that it would take. It's just <laughs> so unbelievable. And you'd be <laughs> asleep so much faster than that. The uh, the Washington, D.C. police chief lady a few years back, she had a, a, a thing that was posted. And I looked it up because it, it was true. I couldn't believe it. But she made a comment about, she's like, we're just not chasing stoners. Like, that's not the fucking problem we have. Like, they would rather go get the munchies and fall asleep on the couch and go rob somebody. That's who we're worried about, you yeah. know. And I think that's when, like, Right after that comment came out and went viral, we just started seeing this way. Like, Colorado was legal then. And I think D.C. was trying to get legal. But Colorado was like it. And then that statement came out. And then the whole country just started like, okay, this is fucking stupid. See? Well, we wouldn't have that it's issue. It's all about the Fibonacci effect. It's yeah. all about that ripple effect. It's all about that ripple effect. I was going to say, we impact. wouldn't have that issue if if the, all the laws were equal. I, and it's funny because uh, Colorado is like about to decriminalize. Psilocybin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am moving. Marijuana to is still and Schedule One. Marijuana is still okay. Schedule One. Okay. So Schedule One. So it's legal in Colorado. Would well, you go to jail for Schedule One drugs a because that's where it's they the make oh, the money? That's the, that's the, that's federally, yeah. federally, it is Schedule One, but it's up to the states to decide how to so approach. Schedule One has it means there's no medicinal benefit and a huge propensity for overuse. For overuse, that's literally what it means. It yeah. means no medicinal benefit. None. None, and huge propensity for overuse, which is clearly not fucking true. madness. Well, it's <laughs> crazy because the FDA the FDA already approved of a drug. I think it's called Marinol, which is basically just uh, you know cannabis. Big, big pharma light. Yeah, it's the same. It's cannabis. It's in the in the you know like the pill form. Yeah, <laughs> but it's got some big pharma company behind but it. But that's no medicinal benefit. Yeah, yeah, none. Psilocybin is um, it changed my life totally changed my life so how did it call you so i was um you know I, I i grew up and found my way to church i guess it's relevant to the story right wasn't raised in a religious household nobody really gave a shit um but i found my way to church because i had questions that the science teacher didn't want to answer you know what i mean and never really got a lot of answers there but i progressed through different churches till i at least was getting something and then um got married had kids when i was 20 and just worked a whole whole lot but what I always was into was studying mysteries. And I was always into shamanism. I was always into Native American tribes and, and African tribes. And just understanding there was something there calling to me. I used to play video games when I was a kid and I always wanted to be a shaman. I didn't know why, but that was the character I chose. You know what I mean? Oh my and, gosh. And so I would, I would read about all this stuff. I was like five and I read a book on ancient mysteries that I found in my dad's uh, book collection. It was part of a set. I still have it at my house to, to this day. 
And so growing up, it was always reading about Egypt and shamanism and the rainforest and, you know, um, hidden, you know, lost history and all this kind of stuff. And so I was 18, I discovered a dude named Graham Hancock. And uh, he's an author that writes about ancient Egypt and, and the whole world, like, you know, this whole sort of idea that we have a lost human history where humans were extremely advanced in the, in the distant past and then something cataclysmic happened. Likely that possible that it was related to the consciousness of the humans that were inhabiting the planet at that time. I mean, we, we brought this in because we fucked up, you know, sort of the story of Atlantis. I was just going to say, I feel like it's the crystalline power abuse in Atlantis that That's, you're talking about. Well, it is. So we went to the Earthkeeper Conference back in, in October or September or whatever, and Graham was a speaker there. But it's it's there was a crystal, was the Arclantis Crystal Stargate Vortex 2018 or something like that. <laughs> I want to be there. You need to be there. So this year you guys got to go. Because it's literally what it's fucking called. Wow. It's like the Arclantis Crystal Stargate Vortex Earthkeeper Conference. I already feel enlightened. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> woke now. <laughs> Done. Yep. I'm in. And so I, um, so Graham talked about all that stuff, but he was like, look, while talking about ancient civilizations and, and, and all this stuff, he was like going to the rainforest in South America. By the way, Graham Hancock's a super famous big dude in this, in this area, right? So he's well known. He's a respected journalist, and he was going down to the jungle and drinking ayahuasca. He's like, oh, shit. There's something going on down there. Like, this is weird. So he wrote a book called Supernatural, and he went around the world, and he took all the different hallucinogenic substances all over the world and did them, you know, through a sort of a shamanic lens. And um, the whole time I was married and I had kids, I was working my ass off, and I didn't have time to like embark on a spiritual path, right? I was kind of disappointed by where spirituality or religion got me by the time I was 20. And I was like, all right, you guys don't have the answers. So I turned to science and I was like, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. And that's when we met, he introduced me all of that. He's like, I saw that you wrote Jesus on your profile. (laughs) So we need need to have this conversation. You need to watch some documentaries. And that was the first (laughs) time where I began to question all of my beliefs. And where did I come from? And why do I believe this? Why did I stand in line and raise my hand? You know, and that was the beginning of, of questioning. And I went through probably a similar journey of like, well, I don't believe in anything. And then, oh my God, now everything is magical. (laughs) (laughs) Unicorns are fucking real. (laughs) I'm sitting right here. Yes. (laughs) Unicorn in real life. It's so true. That's, that's literally what happened. So I went down that whole scientific thing. But meanwhile, you got a kid who was five years old when he read his first book on ancient Egypt and mysteries of the ancient world. And so I started reading that stuff. Like it was like just abject fiction. Like, this is like Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Like this is, I'm just reading about Atlantis and, and all this stuff because it's just complete fiction to me, but it's a fun thing to do. Meanwhile, my my real world beliefs and my daily consciousness are like, you know, very Christopher Hitchensian and Sam Harris and all that stuff. And so I'm watching, you know, eight hours a day of YouTube debates between, you know, theologians and atheist scientists and all this stuff. Like that's what I'm filling my time with. I'm pretty sure we watched them too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I took mushrooms. And all of it made sense. And you saw the earth breathing and we're all connected. I saw, yeah, I saw that big tree of life out in the middle (gasps) of the universe. The big glowing. The showers like love. Yes. Oh, it made him cry. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen how it's all connected. Oh my God. You guys had the same experience. And I, and I, but, but, but the cool thing is within that, I saw all these brilliant scientists that, that I respected and looked up to. I saw where their beliefs fit into all of it. I saw where their perspectives made perfect sense. 
I went, wow, they're getting half the fucking picture. From their perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's that left brain, right brain thing I talk about all the time. You guys probably have it in your house too, but it's like, you know, it's that idea that we have the masculine brain and the feminine brain and we're, we're the the masculine brain, we're, we're, we're rooted in the material and the corporeal. This is what I can see and touch and smell like these five senses. This is what's real. This is what's truth. And that's it. But the feminine, the spiritual brain, the, the one that's connected to nature and that thrives on that connection to nature and understands spirit realizes there's a bunch of shit we can't see. You guys know that because you admit it all the time, but you don't want to think about what's in that space, but that's the space we work in. And it was that whole spiritual sort of part of that experience that made me go, man, I've been reading about this shit my whole life. So I had this wealth of knowledge that to me, that one day was fiction and then one day wasn't fiction anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit. It'd be like if t- today I found out that hobbits were real. I'd know how to deal with them. <laughs> I'd be able to have a conversation with the hobbit and all relate with them. All that work was worth it. It was all fucking worth it, you know? Do you and, think he would like that dream? Uh, the story about the dream I had? Ooh, about we love Atlantis. stories about dreams in Atlantis. Oh, yeah, of okay, course. If you don't tell that, we're not even friends anymore. Please. Look how quick he is to kick you out of the circle. Seven or above. Okay. <laughs> so I have this dream. I'm at a party, and I'm sitting on a couch, and I lean over to this woman, and I s- whisper in her ear, I know Atlantis was real. And she said, come with me. She took me to a back room. We op- I opened the door. There was three women standing in the room. And they handed me this glass chalice of glowing liquid. And she handed it over to me. And I said, what is this? And she said, Lermarian mushrooms blessed with light. And I said, well, how many grams is it? <laughs> That's the obvious question. Practical, hello. It's the obvious question. I need question. to know how, how big much, is this trip? How <laughs> crazy is this about to be? Super she, important. She said, don't worry about it. Just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, what if Chris would want some? And she was like, just drink, drink it. the fucking Lemurian mushrooms. So I, I'm thoughtful here. So I drank I drank it and immediately woke up. And I thought, well, that information was very specific. I'm going to look it up. And Lemuria and Atlantis, all of these lost worlds. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then I saw a TED talk about how the mycelia where all the mushroom grow from are connected to all the trees and when the trees are about to die they pass all of their wisdom and knowledge down through the mycelia to the other trees so that they don't lose the knowledge and that's why the mushrooms contain so much information because it's actually coming from all of the trees that are rooted into our earth man that really resonates with me Uh, jc he's liking it (laughs) yeah this is making yeah. Uh, I've just I've just had uh, a lot of experiences on a heavy dose of psilocybin where uh, the mycelium and the connection of the world yeah. and how uh, the interconnectivity of everything in life uh, we don't understand because we can't measure it scientifically. But talking about plants sharing that on and not just the mushrooms providing information for us as humans is a perspective that I haven't I heard haven't heard that well before. Put. Yeah, but that it way. rocks me to my core. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it actually makes sense of the whole experience and a big part of it that I wasn't fully connecting the dots on. It's like, where the fuck is this all coming from? Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, the interconnection of the mycelium and stuff into the neural network. It's like the it's like the mushrooms are like the neural network of the earth or something. I Absolute, know that sounds like no. super woo woo. No, it's totally true. I get that. Yeah, that's an amazing dream. Yeah, I, you, you touched on something that's really fascinating. And it's like we're trying to understand spirituality or the occult or esoteric through books. And like you're taking such an intellectual approach. I mean, it's the same approach I took. Same. I mean, I don't know how else you would do it. Yeah. But the, the reality is, is that you can't learn from the storybook like that. Yeah. 
you know you, you have to have the experience and once you have the experience it's not like well i believe this happened you know you know because you had the experience and it's, when people say well that's not true you go it's like having a past life regression when you guide me through that i can't i can't explain it to people but i can tell people it is extremely real and i have learned and healed and grown from that so it's as real to you as anything else that you're ever going to experience yeah and and the thing is the the scientifically minded like your you know your empiricist you know materialist scientist guys are going to say well and i've heard them do it a thousand times you've all heard it you know well if we can't replicate it and we can't all the rest of us see it and experience it it's not real now i'm fine with that that's fine but here's where i draw the line is that anyone who's done mushrooms knows what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it is replicatable but you got to want to use the same microscope we're using you know and that's my issue with the with the scientific community is like it what we're saying sounds woo woo and it sounds crazy and it sounds like it flies in the in the face of the laws of physics and all the shit that you understand but what i'm telling you is that there's a microscope that can take you to see what we've seen or a telescope <laughs> you know it's pointed inward and that is where the scientific advancement needs to move into you know if we can just get we, we psilocybin's now being that's actually being it's a thing now so john Hop, johns hopkins i guess nyu baylor a lot of these places are now using that uh using psilocybin in scientific trials but it's like it's these kinds of conversations that when people get get these on their doorstep right and they're like hey listen to this conversation all of a sudden you've got a hundred people a thousand people that have heard this conversation about what psilocybin has done in their lives what mushrooms have done in their lives you have parents that may hear their kids talking about this stuff and they're like hey just listen to this podcast listen to these people talk about this and all of a sudden you've got people who struggle with depression their whole lives who no longer are struggling with depression people who've had anxiety their whole lives they're no longer anxious people who have a fear of death because they're stage four cancer they no longer have that you know and, and people uh, soldiers who have ptsd they no longer have that and these conversations are so important to have and anybody can have them you just got to go take that leap of faith yeah you got to be, be able to be uncertain yeah you have to be able to uh, you have to have enough pain to be able to be uncertain like yeah. that's like the whole part is like you have to reach a point where the pain of staying where I'm you're at. your thoth over here. I'm sorry, OCD, like, or ADD, like, so awesome. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Well, he's my favorite, and he, um, actually, Howard and I just moved, we, we sort of spread this stuff out today because we changed the camera angles, but thoth, I'm, I, I want him more in the middle. I think the Tiki guy's gonna, or the, the Maui guy's gonna have yeah, to go. I agree. He needs somewhere to, else. Chris, he needs move that guy. Power. Move thoth. Let's put him on the table. Hey, it's still retrograde. Talk about redecorating. Yeah, this is Mercury right here. Oh, you is, get it. Isn't that crazy, dude? JC painted that picture right there. This is uh. This. I was gonna ask, but I was waiting for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me now. Brittany was chomping at the bit. She just wanted to talk. Like, Turn the fucking cameras on. Um. So that's a psilocybin molecule, a DMT molecule, and an LSD molecule. He painted those for me, and I'm, I, it's, I love it so much. It's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the Joe Rogan thing. You guys done DMT? I tried it once, um, but I actually was smoking it out of a crack pipe, and I'd never done that, and it was really yeah. uncomfortable. So I did not have, like, a breakthrough experience, and I just haven't approached <sighs> it. I want to. I just haven't had the right opportunity present itself um, as easy as mushrooms have in my life. Yeah. We... Um, I was got to think about how to say this because I'm dealing with a Schedule One narcotic here, right? Sure. Um, we've had delivery problems too. 
you know, just getting the right delivery method sure. down. Sure. You know, a lot of people, we've had some crazy experiences and we've done it, a, you know, a handful of times, but um, so getting the substance has not been the problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been various different methods of delivery to try to get the full experience. Yeah. Agreed. Have you tried salvia? No, and I'm not gonna. What? I don't think I'm gonna. Why? Well, you guys might be able to talk me into it, but like, so here's my thing. And by the way, we just we just dropped um, today, within a couple hours before y'all got here, um, episode, well, part two of a, that four-part series I was talking about last week we did with Freedom Faction. Oh, I'm drinking beer, so I'm burping. <laughs> um, that happens all the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's completely on psychedelics. And it's not just some some bullshit conversation on them. It's like, you know, here's maybe why you should think about them. Here's maybe why you shouldn't. And here's a lot of things that people do that you probably shouldn't. And, you know, here's overall what you could should hope for from the experience. And here's a lot of ways to miss, you know, that whole kind of thing. Um, fuck, where was I going? Salvia. The question, Salvia. Salvia. So what oh. we talk about in that episode, good catch, Chris. Um, what we talk about in that episode is I don't like taking things just for the sake of taking them. And DMT for me is that thing. Like you can go take DMT and have this tremendous, crazy experience. You know, um, it's like visiting another planet, another dimension, whatever. Like, yeah, doesn't really help me that much. It doesn't doesn't give me it doesn't make me a better teacher, a better healer, um, a better a better father, a better person, a better employee. You know, it doesn't. But it, how do you know that to be true? Well, I just know when I've seen it with mushrooms, what they've done. And again, by the way, let me be clear. I'm not saying that it hasn't done that for countless billions of people, right? For me personally, every time I've had a transformative mushroom experience, the really horrifying, terrible, crazy ones, and then the really good ones and everything in between, I know I've got some stuff to learn and some stuff to see. I come back from DMT land, and I'm, I'm, I'm just like a deer in the headlights who's just been thrown down a water slide blindfolded you know, with techno music blaring in my eardrums. I'm so disoriented. It's such a, a crazy thing. And they're all the really cool, crazy stuff that I've learned on DMT, I've learned that stuff on mushrooms already, you know? Um, and all the stories I hear about DMT, again, for me personally, every every story I've ever heard from them, like they're, they're just, I don't know how much I have to gain from it. Yeah. The, the cool thing about salvia is there's no like after effect. It's like a five to 10 minute trip and then there's no hangover, no nada after. So I feel like that, yeah, you're not that's six the hours benefit. Yeah, the like that's yeah. the benefit of it, yeah. you know? Oh, that's where I was going with that. All the DMT people that I talked to who were really big into DMT. Um, I did a, a podcast with a guy called uh, The DMT Researcher on Instagram, but he wrote a book, Dick Kahn. He's big in the DMT community. And um, uh, he started growing his own salvia. He's over in the UK. And uh, he posts this on his Instagram and stuff, so I'm no problem saying that. You know, I don't even know if salvia is illegal or not, but it is here. Yeah, yeah, but it may be in the UK, but he's he does his own DMT extractions on his Instagram. I have no problem putting that out there because yeah. he does that. You right. know, he wrote he literally wrote the book on it. But he's he was talking about salvia, and uh, a lot of the people in his sort of community, I see just the the way that they talk about this stuff. I'm scared. It, it's scared. It, Seems big. It's a it's probably one of the most potent psychedelics but it doesn't have whatever the compound is that that makes your stomach upset the really nausea is not there really so, yeah it doesn't contain the alkaloid or whatever that that causes the, the nausea and all the all this it's it's not like anything else it's totally in its own category i want to hear more about salvia right now Brittany. can you remember let's come back and talk about nausea in a minute yep can you i'm putting that on you you got it salvia big no nausea so i shouldn't be scared 
I wouldn't say that. I just you won't be scared of the nausea. It's uh, tell me as best you can. What's it? What's what's well, the purpose? What would be of the biggest salvia? thing that you're afraid of? Um, I I've gotten I've had some trips where where they were just basically, uh, you know, six hours of constant, um, uh, unintelligible, overwhelming, uh, nausea and uh, fear and panic, and that was it. Well, then I think that's the thing. You're comparing it to something that's completely different. There's no nausea. There's no after effects. And it's not six hours. It's like 20 minutes. So yeah. it's Pops. just a total. Yeah, it's just a totally different experience. You could yeah. On a lunch break and come back and still be functioning. Kind of. A yeah. Totally. Like mushrooms and not, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. You shouldn't be doing stuff. At right. Most, you're walking around like in a nature situation. But like that would only be in on salvia. Your eyes are closed. You're done. I yeah. went to the tanning salon on salvia one time just as an experiment to see how, that sounds hardcore. how ridiculous. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. Cause I was like, is your face melting? And she was kind of, yeah, I was like, or is that the, is that what's going on here? So do you do it and you're, you're moving around or that was just, that was no, I would not recommend that. That was just, we're young and dumb and experimenting and seeing yeah. how can we, how can we, you know, with, with DMT, push the boundaries on this? What I've seen with DMT is you typically go down and you're like under for like seven or eight minutes and then you kind of half under for another seven or eight minutes and the next 30 minutes you're kind of just sitting there chilling, coming back to this world. But after that, you're somewhat normal. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. The, the so salvia faster. onset is in within the first 30 seconds. I, I mean, you're, you're By the time you blow out, you are on, you have broken through, break on through to the other yeah. side. That's where it comes from. So you're, you're totally out and then... As long as you close your eyes during that part, you're no longer in this physical reality. Really? You're somewhere else. And the biggest problem that I had talking about the fear is that every time that I've ever done salvia, every single trip, every time, I always have that feeling of the reality that I'm in is not the real one. And I laugh for five to 10 straight minutes because I think I'm hilarious that I think this is the real reality. Right. Like it's hysterical. I laugh until I cry. And when I come out, my throat's raw, my face is red because I've been laughing so hard about how dumb we are thinking the, that thinking this, that is, this is where it's at. I'm like, this is it not even It sounds very DMT-ish to me. I think it's probably like a super rapid DMT trip. Um, yeah. But the problem is it is re it, it is somewhat hard to remember, just like DMT is. Hard. You won't so, you won't take like mushrooms. You remember a lot. Yeah, of yeah. Yeah, on, you can retain a lot on of salvia. You you won't remember hardly any of it. Yeah. I mean, just, I remember I one night where, trying to do it multiple times in a row, going okay, like, and this was when it was legal. We bought it right in town, you know, right um, from like a local store. We've never done anything else. The no, that was our first. That was our first experience into anything because we were like, well, what's legal around here? Yeah, we were conditioned by parents and society not to do drugs. It's so bad for you. Yeah, yeah. So we avoided it for so many years, and it just, it was like it, we were being called to experiment and try something that was my first experience with salvia being a young man it was the first thing I you've done, hands it? done oh yes oh wow uh, uh soon as i turned 18 and i could go into a counterculture store and purchase exactly. it on the shelf and i was like give me the 40x yep, yep. you know uh, uh, and it's very dmt like and like you said you, you don't get to bring a whole lot back um it's it's jarring it is a uh, very hardcore psychedelic but that's that's the argument with DMT that I think uh, we both kind of agree on is is I'm not bringing back any sort of wisdom, knowledge, a lesson forward. It is a perception change. You know, it, it does yeah, bring so you back to your normal world. It and fucks go, up your paradigm for yeah, sure. My problem is not that. But isn't that <laughs> what you're bringing back? Is 
like they say a miracle is a shift in perception so yeah. but i guess mine changed the first time i did dmt and i did it 20 times since and it never changed again it was just i went to dmt land and i saw it but truth be told i've also been to dmt land on really massive doses of mushrooms too with lots of people in the room who were having the same experience all going are you guys in here in dmt land too and we're like yeah why would i want to do dmt and go out for 15 minutes and not take anything back when i can take mushrooms big big doses of mushrooms but i can get there and walk around and bring back nuggets of love and information and understanding and again i'm not putting that down for anyone else that's just been my experience with with dmt yeah but i mean i think i think it's god it changes so many people's lives but it's so interesting because it could be like you're wanting like conscious knowledge that's like totally the like human yeah like man thing like i i want to i want tangible knowledge that i can take and share but what if it's happening on a subconscious level that you're not even aware of in this reality you can be aware of it in other realities but not this one so let me throw this at you because to me that makes me think if that's if that's possible then what else am i bringing back subconsciously because i do believe very much I, i know for a fact that there's good and evil shit out there and it's like I, I, gu- I guess I guard myself against, you know, the intrusions of that stuff when I'm on these on these experiences. You know, I sort of guard myself against like I don't let anything embed itself in me subconsciously. I'm very protective of that. You know what I mean? So it's like I, if I was bringing back bad shit subconsciously, I would have to make that admission that I didn't guard myself that well, and then I was also therefore opening myself up to, you know, negative subconscious See, implantations. But, but I think this is. Like the the number one thing we always tell empaths or we always tell healers is that you have to turn yourself. The first thing you have to do if you want to be on this mission at all in this life, you have to turn yourself into a badass. Yeah. You got to prioritize your health. You got to get your food on. You got to get your exercise on. You got to get your mental stuff under control so that no matter what happens, if everything just hit the fan, all of a sudden you're so ready for it. You're prepared. Mm-hmm. So that even if you brought bad, bad stuff back, you know, there's that old, uh, Kobe Bryant quote where he says, you know, if you see me in a fight with a bear, pray for the bear. Yeah. And it's like, you got to be that. You got to have that. We better pray for the bear because I'm coming. Yeah. And yeah. so if, you, if you're going to go out and explore different realms of consciousness and different kind of things, you're going to have to be, I mean, you're going to have to be that person. And no, like, yeah, for sure. And that's why the disclaimer is always, if, if you have a lot of regular problems in life nonstop, and if like every single thing like upsets you and hurts you, and so like the psychedelic journey is not for you. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah, an th- easy journey. I would, I would recommend hypnosis before taking psychedelics because you can explore those and not be stuck in a six hour trip. You can have someone who is helping to guide you to those places that in the Talk to me about that. Go hypnosis. Yeah. That's Chris's specialty. Is so, it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the way you know, I've never I, been hypnotized. You've that you know of <laughs> it's true <laughs> she's trying to freak me out she's gonna win i don't have to over. try <laughs> yeah you just let her have it so she just always wins um but hypnosis is the science that i found so when i went down that science path the way that i was trying to look to explain what, what can explain everything what can be the healer what can be the what's the true religion like yeah, that yeah. kind of thing I, I stumbled into hypnosis which eventually led me into like meditation and things like that, which meditation and hypnosis are very similar. I yeah, mean, right, not, sure. Like a lot of people confuse the terms, but it's it's almost the same thing. Yeah. Um, hypnosis is a way to get your foot in the door of the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is everything. I mean, it's where we hold everything. Right, yeah. All of your patterns, all of your beliefs, all of your everything, all the things that you want to change about yourself are in your subconscious mind. They're not anywhere else. And, and unless you can affect them at that level, you won't change. And the only thing that typically will change you outside of that 
is some authority figure that tells it to you. Like the doctor comes in and says, hey, you're going to die in four days. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And you start to believe it. So it really ends up happening. Like those kinds of, when an authority figure can bypass that critical factor, just like a lot of times people get in relationships and when they have their breakup and the person tells you, I, I never loved you. You're so ugly. And I'm, I'm just going to be with everybody else. It's beautiful. That shit digs in. It digs in because you trust that person. That trust lowers that critical faculty and it bypasses what would normally be your critical factor and goes right into subconscious and so we have to get all of those things that that were embedded in us in our childhood and, and from those authority figures because they say stuff and it's not always meant to hurt you it's not always like hey you suck at math it's, it's not <laughs> it's not always that sometimes it is and you know whatever those things we believe about ourselves end up becoming true because we only do the actions in life that associate with the beliefs that we have about ourselves. So if I believe that I suck speaking, when I go up to speak, I'm probably not going to do well. Yeah, I'm you're, not you're going just going to try to avoid speaking. Yeah, I'm not going to set up actions that would say otherwise of how I believe. I mean, your rational minds... We uh, change our playbook based on what we think we're capable of. Yeah, a thousand percent. And it's your subconscious mind that's feeding that. And that's been programmed typically by your parents and teachers because up till age about 10 or 11, we accept everything anybody tells us because we don't know any different. Yeah. And then at 11, you get that critical factor come in. And now it's hard to go back and change those original programs because you got the gatekeeper. Yeah. And it takes that lover or that other person or hypnosis or some other kind of method like that. And so you finally can. That's why affirmations and stuff like that sound good but don't really work you know you like want them to work so well that they don't get past the critical factor if you don't believe it if you wake up and you feel like you're just this fat slob and you look in the mirror and you go i like myself i like myself i like myself the subconscious goes that's stupid i'm not see I'm i, not I i've that. never really understood how that would work yeah and i guess i never really nailed it down to the fact that it's not getting past that, that gatekeeper of the subconscious but i always i guess i just always felt that as i wonder if we could help people understand you know a better way to approach those types of things. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what, Britt, that's kind of your thing on the, on the, on the, the lady's side for sure. Well, definitely. I mean, it was because of the work that I did with Chris with hypnosis and here's how we got to that. Um, step one, when we met, I was 20 and uh, it's almost 13 years ago. And within the first month he was like, Hey, can I hypnotize you? I was like, yeah. It's a great pickup line. Cool. You just, it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, sure, let's do it. And after we were done, you know, counting backwards, I just looked at him and he was like, well, how do you feel? I was like, I feel really relaxed. I don't think it worked. He goes, well, that's what it is. Mind and body relaxation. And we're so programmed through culture, just as we're afraid of psychics. Woo. You know, like hypnosis sounds scary, but the truth is it's just putting you in control of your own subconscious. And Chris just has the map to get to where you are avoiding, um, to make those changes. And because, um, we went down two different paths. I was led to a psychic and I went to the psychic in Dallas and everything she said to me was so on point that I was like, okay, something's going on. And, and it was my own intuition that led me there. So I was like, cause I, I, I was like, there's something bigger. I need to talk to somebody who like knows something. Yeah. And I was led to Serena um, at the labyrinth and I sat down and she said, honey, are you intuitive? I'll write it down for you. Um, I, she said, honey, are you intuitive? And I said, I am. It led me here. And she said, you have the gift. You should buy some tarot cards. And um, after that hour experience, I was blown away. And I told Chris, you've got to come with me and experience this. So he came. And the first thing she said to him was, you need to get back into hypnosis, specifically past life regression. It was like the weirdest. <laughs> I was like, this is not even a conversation that I've had uh, all right, in, at that point outside of, outside of Brit. Like, mm -hmm. like she's the only person I'd ever like talked to about. I mean what and 
you know, it was coming, it was her mentioning that me revitalizing like my, you know, I, I, all right, let's, I'll take a, why not? The crazy lady says, let's do it. Let's do it. You Makes know, perfect why? sense. So he did. He started studying hypnosis and I was the guinea pig. I mean, hello, who else? He's not going to practice on noodles. So he probably <laughs> fucked your brain up so many times. It was like, oh, wait, yeah, like a new it guy is like working on a computer and he fucks a bunch of stuff up and you don't want to tell anybody he's like i'm gonna fix this before the other guys come back over well the thing about hypnosis is you're totally aware (laughs) the whole time it's funny though because in deeper states like when he takes me to meet my spirit guides he'll tell me that my mouth is moving and i'm having full-on conversations and when i come back i don't remember a thing right and so when you talk about well i don't know if i retain information well i only ask you that and pose that question because when i go into really deep states of meditation which the same with the plants they're just getting you in a different trance state um we don't need the plants for it which is great um so when you're in those deeper states like there's so much going on that we aren't consciously aware of like that's such a small percentage of what's going on up there Mm -hmm. so when he tells me that my mouth is moving i'm having full-blown conversations and i come back and i'm like well i just was just hanging out i don't even you know it's like okay you can't like there is conscious memory but there's also a lot that does happen that you that I can't even explain that I'm not aware of. If he says my mouth is moving, I know I'm having, I know that I'm connecting, but why is my mouth moving? You know, like there's some part of us that's still tied to the physical body. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chris talks about like, um, just laughing hysterically when you're under, Yeah, you know, I've been there. I've been there. Like my girlfriend was in the living room and I was in the bedroom. You just, you're like, what is going on? She's like, you were just in there laughing so hard. I could hear you through a shut door down the hall for like, 10 minutes yeah you know there's some part of us we talked about it before like you sort of drift off from this physical body but like you're still kind of tethered to it there's still kind of a connection that silver there. cord yeah that silver cord that yeah. mm-hmm. what you know about that silver cord well i mean like lots. one of the things about so we started playing with, with we Rams. talked about this recently on the podcast the silver okay. cord really yeah all right so so we we got into hypnosis um you can affect so much change so quickly with hypnosis it, it, it would blow you away i mean just how relaxed your body can get and the fact that you can go in there and not just not necessarily like extract but manipulate the way you remember memories you can really go in there and the the person can not the hypnotist the person can go in there and change them in a way because you know you had to go through a lot of experiences so if you looked at uh, looked at a particular memory from like a really traumatic frightened childhood standpoint and so that thing embedded itself in you and you always sort of have this massive negative dark reaction to a situation you can kind of come back in now as an adult Sure. As a person with some perspective and go, I'm going to change the way that this memory exists in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, because it, when you're, let's say, eight years old and you see your parents fighting and the the, the dad yells, you know, you're a whore, you're, you're the da- you're, your daughter's going to be a whore just like you, and it embeds in the kid's mind. Now you've got to go back because the child doesn't understand what to do. The child doesn't under- understand anything, but then they find themselves living out those roles as they become adults. And so what they have, what you have to do is go back and just relive that experience, allow the adult now to come in with the adult knowledge to say, well, the person just said that because they were upset, that there wasn't something that they meant, they loved you, it was just in the heat of the moment, and we've all been in that place where we've said things that we should not have to people that we really cared about. And you go, you're able to go back there, and then once that's dissolved, you don't repeat those patterns anymore. But we're all running by patterns, whether we realize it or not. Every single thing that we do is some sort of a pattern. We're hardly ever doing new stuff. Computers running programs, man. It's so true. It's mm. what, what we are. The yeah, hypnosis gets to change out some of those computer programs. It's just a really so fast cool. way to do it. Yeah. I think it's such a, such a cool thing. I've always wanted to do it. 
I went to um, when I kind of first started this this journey and realized that I had some callings in, in my life in different ways, not so much as an intuitive, but sort of a different thing. I was um, I went to visit a psychic in Dallas, and I can't remember her name. I need to try to find it anyway. Uh, ended up having a really crazy experience and realized like there was a lot of stuff she was doing that I didn't consider all that intuitive, but it was brilliant. You know, like understanding the way that chromotherapy works and, you know, certain colors reflect certain aspects of your character and stuff like that and your personality. I thought that was really fascinating. So I was still kind of coming into this as sort of a newbie in the, in the woo-woo world. So I'm sort of my scientific skeptic inside me is sort of picking apart a lot of what she's doing. But I was so open-minded and so trying to suppress my skepticism. Just like come out with it. Just open up. She tried to put a spell on me, man. What do you mean by she that? She tried to put a spell on me. I think she was trying to implant shit. Like what? I think she was trying, she said, um, so I understand psychology. I get the way that implantation works is a thing, you know? It's not even that woo-woo, but like she would, was trying to catch me on some, I she kept missing with things that she was saying about who I was or whatever. There's actually more backstory to this. She had like 50 something reviews on um, Google or whatever. And then there was like no other psychics that had any reviews. And I read, I read these reviews and then like a big part of me was saying like, these are paid for and she's paying for reviews. There's a reason why they're all here. One of the reviews said that a lady had a car accident. Like she was going to see her and she said, I don't want you to come see me cause you're going to have a car accident or something. And then the lady had a car accident like three or four days later after she didn't go to the psychic cause the psychic told her she was going to have a car accident. And so that was part of it. So anyway, at first I thought that was cool. So then I went to her and then she was like, she said, um, you know, you like to do something or another. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, no, I was sitting there trying to think of any way to justify her claim to make it accurate. And I was like, like doing all the intellectual acrobatics I could. And I was like, I can't even make that true. I really want to buy into this and make it a thing. She goes, you hurt people. And she changed her voice and she changed the way she looked at me. And I was so taken aback by it. I was just, I couldn't believe it. And I realized I'm, I'm a young dude with a little bit of swagger. I have a little bit of an ego present. You know what I mean? I'm confident with the way I carry myself. It's a really easy assumption to make is that I'm self-centered and that I go around hurting people. Like I lay my shit on the, on the table every day for everybody that I love, even people who don't even love me back. You know what I mean? It just wasn't an accurate statement. And it's not the kind of thing that a legitimate psychic would have ever picked up on. It was something that when I went back through and thought about the whole experience top to bottom by the end of it, she ended up talking to me about how much money she made, how she used to be rich, how she had this really nice car, how she had like all these fat shaker machines in her house. She was showing me all these fat shakers. She goes, yeah, I can make a thousand dollars a month off each one of these things. I realized she, and she was also, um, she couldn't breathe. She looked like a little troll, like a real witch. And so she was like, she was just looked unhealthy and she was wheezy and she was coughing up phlegm the whole time. And she just, I, I wasn't, you stayed. I listen, I wasn't, sp- <laughs> I was new. I know I look back and I'm like, mother fuck. But I was new to the whole thing. Yeah. And so I knew that there was, I needed to talk to someone about this shit. Cause I didn't know you guys. I didn't have any, you know what I mean? You so didn't know the seven or above rule. So I didn't know the seven. Cute, or, some cute psychics. Yeah. I, know, I didn't, right? I didn't know any good looking psychics. So I went to like, she was literally the green witch off of wizard of Oz. That's crazy. And I was like, okay. Um, I guess she answered the door and she's just wheezing and she doesn't look healthy. And I'm like, this is weird. But what did your intuition say? Oh, get the fuck out. So where's the lesson? Oh, listen, listen to your gut. 
my next podcast was how to listen to your gut. <laughs> my 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 uh, my meeting with a psychic witch. That, you know. Okay. So, and I, I I went and took some mushrooms that night and was like, let <laughs> me clear it out. Let me evaluate what the fuck happened. And and they were they were clear. Here were all the instances where she was trying to implant toxicity into you. And 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 the more authentic I was. And the more loving I was, the more uncomfortable she got. And that was one of the things the mushrooms showed me. You know, this isn't the first time I've heard negative experiences like um, darker entities. Even Ray at the float spot was talking about having a woman come in and the energy in the in the float tanks was off. And he put his um, archangel necklace in it and sparks of light went everywhere. Like, I so, believe it. So there's definitely, like you talk about good and evil um, it reminds me of when we were in Newport mm -hmm. and we were watching um, Penn and Teller's bullshit on the episode. I love Penn and Teller. So good on the episode of Psychics. But I got all riled up because, of course, it's bashing all the bunk psychics. Yes, they are out there. But that doesn't mean that there aren't psychics that are pure of heart and doing great work, which because I am one and didn't try to be it just was a part of my path um i've had to learn to accept and embrace it and so now that i'm in this role i can now see both sides of the coin how people again by culture have been so programmed to be afraid and experiences like that would definitely turn you off but i had this uh, experience we went to newport rhode island on a whim this was so weird we went on a whim i saw this hotel with cute butterfly paper wallpaper and i had to get an instagram photo in front of it <laughs> like not even gonna lie True there story I wanted to do a boudoir shoot there. So that was like the, the thing. And that it. happened. So we go to Newport, Rhode Island. There's a one vegan restaurant there. So we go to so it. So you starve. So, so yeah. well, we ate there a lot. So we go to this restaurant and we had just, so we don't watch TV, but when we go on vacation, they have them. So we're like, hey, well, so we'll just turn something on. So we turned on this Penn and Teller's psychic. And of course, there's a reason behind it. So I watch it. I'm all riled up. I'm like, that's bullshit. They painted the wrong picture because there's good psychics. Like they just went to the shady ones. That's not a full picture. Like I was a little mad about it. So we get to the restaurant and there's a lady reading tarot at the front booth with glasses on and her Louis Vuitton purse sitting on the table. And we order our food and I think nothing of it. I'm like, well, that's cool. You don't see that in Texas very often. Um, and I lean over to Chris. I'm like, I'm supposed to go talk to her. And he goes, why? You have a direct channel. I'm like, I know. And that's why I'm telling you, I have to go over there and talk to her. And he just was like, not on board. He was like, You're, but why? Like, there's no reason for you to go over she there. Was sketchy. Yeah. You could tell. <laughs> He's just, just coming off of her. Yeah. And, just dripping with sketch. And I was like, it's not, I don't need anything, but I'm being told to go over there. I don't want to like, oh, this feels so weird. And so, oh, this is, this is the best. So then I'm telling my angels and my guides like, okay, if I'm really meant to go over there, show me a clear and definite sign. I'm always asking for signs. Then boom, the song She Talks to Angels comes on. I'm like, okay. No shit. And I had never heard the song. So I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool sign, but not good enough like I okay if I'm meant to talk to her then she'll come talk to me like I'm just getting crazy now and it's like very clear like you've got to go talk to her go talk to her I'm like I don't, I'm like arguing and I probably look like a crazy person eating my sandwich you know and I'm like ah. she was definitely doing it like somewhat out loud Right. Yeah. It was, was visible. Like a, well, it was this is like a 30 minute. It was definitely was, conversation you know. with Chris. Like, I don't want to go over there, but I'm being told to go over there. So I don't want to ignore that because after our mountain, almost dying on a mountain in Colorado in 2012, I dedicated my life to listening to my intuition because your gut never lies. And so I'm like, I don't want to do this, but it's 
I got to, I promised myself. And so I walked by her, we were on our way out. Chris was like, are you gonna stop or not? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like in cotton Libra indecision, I don't know. And she grabs my arm and she says, I really like your tattoos. I'm like, fuck. So I sat down. <laughs> I was like, I'm supposed to talk to you. That's the bait. Oh, uh, crazy. So I sat down with her and I said, I'm supposed to talk to you. And um, I'm a psychic and I blah, 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 blah. And so then ego flares up. I mean, I like I'm legit so I can see, I can feel, I, I, I got it. So her ego flares up. Well, I studied with this person and blah, 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 credentials, credentials. I'm like, I don't care. Like, right. just fucking sit down and read some cards. Like, I don't know, what are we supposed to do here? And I said, how much for a reading? She said, 120. I said, I'm not gonna pay that. And she said, well, how much will you pay me? I said, 40 bucks. Cause I didn't want to do it. Like I had, right. and I'm all about paying for services sure. and, and having like uh, pristine experiences, but I didn't want to do it. So I was like literally any excuse to get me out of the situation, 40 bucks. She was like, okay. All right. So I sit out <laughs> one, she's wearing sunglasses, which I'm automatically. I always like, take 70% off my prices for everything. The first time someone objects, by the way, always every like, time random <laughs> so i'm already like also my out. business went went out of business yeah two days after it started it's probably why she's in a vegan restaurant you know so anywho um sh literally she it, it is going nowhere there's nothing accurate we're gonna get married one day and have kids and Beautiful. like um we're already married and he had a vasectomy i don't see that happening <laughs> he's in graphic design it was the same one i'm like same witch just just same. so off and she pulls a couple cards and sh I've been reading Tarot for many years now since the psychic told me I should buy myself a deck and I, I know exactly what the cards mean and she before she even starts to read them she scoops them up and says I'm so I can't read anymore for you I'm tired I had a late night and I was like well I don't feel like my reading should suffer because of your actions that doesn't seem very fair does it and I mean I was just like on next level like voice your opinion wow. like and I walked out I was like okay well then we're done here and I just stood up walked out and Chris goes how was it and I was like ah, what the fuck was that <laughs> and so I immediately was like why did you have me do that what was that and it was so clear and so gentle and so loving and they said because you were there to be the teacher that you do have a gift and there are you need to meet bunk psychics so that you can have the experience that other people are afraid of yeah so that you can have the understanding and yeah. compassion and so also to let her know that what she was doing was wrong and i ha didn't have to use one word to say that that's so beautiful because that's the one message i got back you know after i went and visited that lady and then took the mushrooms that night just going what the fuck was that because i energetically i didn't i was new then i didn't know what i didn't know what i was experiencing but things were mixed up in here and uh they I came out of it I, I wrote this big long sort of poem and it was actually a prayer of reflection of curses the next morning i got up and i wrote it i ended up leaving it on her doorstep and she was talking about how words have power and she believed all that and she believed that whatever you said came back to you and when she said that during the reading i was like coming from a person who's like falling apart at the seams who can't breathe or walk right and you're telling me that your words that you put out are what come back to you so again this is part of what the mushrooms help me put together yeah. at the end of the night because you know how they do right they mm -hmm. present everything in a piece it all together in this beautiful clear pristine picture and they're like so here's what happened you know and it was like dude she's out there putting curses on people she made that lady have a car wreck probably by implanting that in her head and saying that she was going to have a car wreck and that poor lady was so um, misguided that she thought that she had saved her from a car wreck that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I just thought about like my mom and a lot of really sweet ladies that like had they gone in there and gone through what I went through and been told the things I was told, they would have been break them. They would have been broken. Yeah. That had been crushed. And they also probably would have been codependent on this lady for a very long time. Yep, and that's exactly empath back, narcissist. Back to the point. Yeah. If you want to be an empath, if you want to be a healer, you're gonna attract narcissists. You gotta be. You gotta be the person who prays for the bear. You know, you yeah. gotta turn yourself into the because those there are a ton of people that will prey on you. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. It really is. It's, it's like it's, the flies drawn to the light. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That was sort of my introduction into the woo woo, and it's funny because, um, well, there was my like my first intuitive or psychic that I met, but it was like. Even though it was a bad experience, it actually gave me that much more faith in the whole in the whole understanding of, 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 the, of the whole thing. It's like, you know, if, if there's someone out there who understands how to do that and be shitty about it and, you know, be um, just a negative malevolent entity, then I could see how it would work. And it's obvious that the, uh, the other side of it's going to work just as well. The light always wins. The light always wins. You mentioned tarot cards. Hmm. And my girlfriend loves tarot cards. She's always doing the tarot cards things. Fun. They're so demonic. Oh yeah. They're so satanic. Aren't they? You're going to hell. That's what Chris's grandmother posts on my Facebook every day. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Oh. <laughs> Seems to be a common reaction. This is a real thing. Hello, <laughs> Texas. Well, let me ask a uh, question real quick, if I may interject. I gotta go pee. Where, where um, you practice reading tarot and all that. What, where do you stand with what? What do you use your abilities for in your day to day? Do you provide services? How How does all that work? Yeah. So um, when the lady told me that I had the gift and I should buy cards, I was like, okay. Well, I've always been fascinated by Miss Cleo and like witchcraft and things like that. So all right, why not? I was very curious. And so my curiosity led me to buying the cards and I just started studying them one at a time. What do they mean? And what I've learned, Carl Jung says it best, is that there are just different archetypes that we go through and experience as a human. So there's sadness, there's heartbreak, there's dependency, there's wealth, there's your dreams coming true. I mean, there's so many different things. There's finding a relationship, there's breakup. Um, but to the uneducated, it's just called demonic. Again, lumping it in with hypnosis and all the things, like all the things that are quote unexplainable, right? Um, and so I found the tarot cards to be extremely gentle and they helped me to develop my intuitive language with myself. And so as I would pull a card each day, so still to this day, like six, six or longer, six years or longer, um, I pull a card every day as a part of my morning ritual and ask like, what do I need to know for the day? And what I've learned is a lot of the times the cards won't even be about me. They'll be about someone that I encounter. And it just prepares me f to give them guidance or to what, you know, for whatever it may be. Like, let's say I, I pull the grief card, but nothing in my life aligns with grief. Then I know, okay, well, how can this apply to someone I might meet today? And because I am a psychic, a hairdresser, a life coach, I run into so many other people dealing with emotional issues. So one, it taught me how to develop my own intuition. And eventually it turned into a business where I started every Wednesday on Facebook, I go live and do a woo woo Wednesday tarot reading where I, I love just, that name. Isn't that fun? It's, it's so, the best name. It feels good. Yeah. I had a little six year old write me a jingle about because uh, it just She's got a guitar and everything. It's so oh, cute. Yeah, it's you beautiful. gotta you gotta use that. It's so cute. So um I used it in my own life and I started the Woo Woo Wednesday reading for people on my Facebook group and then people would ask, Will you read for me? And my clients in the hair salon would say, Will you pull a card for me? And I would just start doing it and I did it enough I had enough practice that I realized like 
this is real like something's happening like the cards that they need are coming up through like law of attraction um that give them a message of peace and and certainty and and that is helping them and so because it helps people to feel uh, every person that has a reading with me always says the same thing i i knew all this everything you said i knew exactly but you aren't trusting yourself and the psychic that i met who was so legit i was so lucky to attract a, a legit person she said to me the most skeptical people skeptical people of psychics are the psychics themselves because we question our own intuition we don't trust the messages coming through and the tarot cards help me to start trusting my intuition because when i would be in a situation and my intuition would kick in i would see an image of that card i'm very visual um, as a clairvoyant and so i would see an image of the card and go oh this relates to worry or feeling uh, like alone so now i am better equipped for handling the situation that makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense yeah the uh the, the tarot cards sort of being um you know a, a a reflection of your own intuition is something I think is so important for people to realize, you know, is that there's, there's uh certainly there's magic in it. Um, because it's all, it's a, it's very, it's a very magical process, right? Your the way our intuition works is a magical process. The way that pretty much every aspect of us works is magical, but for like a really scientifically minded dude, right? We don't sometimes maybe think in, in woo woo terms as much or as easily or, or, or readily like, it's really a great reflection of your of your your intuition. It's it's not really that woo woo, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's, it's not that it's hard to even understand. Self awareness. Yeah, it's a self awareness thing. Yeah, exactly. So I would pull a card and say, "How does this apply to me in my life today?" And sometimes it made sense. Sometimes it didn't. And like I was saying before, sometimes it was a reflection of what I, other people are going through that I might meet uh, throughout the day. And what really fascinated me in the beginning is when I would pull the same card. There's 78 cards. I'd pull the same card multiple days in a row. Like, yeah. how is that happening? But it's because I am still not grasping the lesson or I'm not I'm not really taking a hold of the message they're trying to get me to interpret it in a different way get your shit together right get your shit together they're yelling at you when you get the same card three times I'm just saying <laughs> yeah sometimes the spirit gods kick you right in the dick it's very true it's, I, it's true there's this one um, hypnosis session it's, it's actually my favorite one to do and I take people to a cabin where they meet their spirit animal and they meet their spirit guides right I, I want to do this and the cool so good. the cool part is that it does not matter what the person believes, what their religious beliefs are, wh whatever, whatever. They all have the same kind of experience. It's all the same. Kind, it's never the same animal. N never. And I had this one lady talking about your, your spirit guides, you know, kicking you in the ass. Um, I had this one lady. She goes to meet her spirit animal and turns around. And she has a big personality, super big personality. She's super awesome, always outgoing, you know, that kind of deal. She turns around and there's this like little bunny rabbit. <laughs> and she goes, Are you fucking there's kidding me? no way my spirit, you know, it's something, she yeah, wants yeah. something cool. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You but know, a wolf. Riding in on a Harley, you know, something <laughs> like that. And she goes, it's not going to be this. And the rabbit looks at her and goes, shut up, bitch. I'm Chuck. I'm your spirit animal. <laughs> you can't. You can't even make that kind of stuff. You can't up. make this up. I was like, I love this. This is the best, man. I love this. I've um I am so fascinated with um with with hypnotism. Yeah. I didn't even know that you were into that. It's and huge. I, talk about a divine appointment. Huge. That's how I see this. I'm not I, I can't talk about my synchronicities all the time because I do this on a podcast and every fucking podcast we just be talking about my synchronicities. But after the show, 
I'll kind of tell you how I've been swimming in these synchronicities lately. And you guys, first of all, just being here in the first place has been a huge blessing. So thank you for coming on anyway. But but the hypnotism thing is fascinating to me because, like you say, there's, there's nothing about this that's really woo-woo. There's no. just nothing about this is insofar as the, you know, the, the as clinical psychology has progressed as a science, if we want to call it that or whatever, if you don't. Hypnotism is just taking advantage of, of what we know from clinical psychology works. Right. And what's what's really crazy about well, I mean, hypnosis has been around for, for forever. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but where they really started using it big time was back in during the World Wars because they ran out of um, of stuff to be able to do amputations. They, they, they were hypnotizing people to put them under. So yeah, so when they when they ran out of you know the the, the stuff so they could empty the leg, uh, they said, well you know well, what can we do for free because we don't have any more supplies. We're gonna need somebody who can talk or do. I mean we're gonna need some something, right? We, there's only so many sticks you can bite, right? Before it's yeah. When they're cutting that bad boy off, you, you're gonna want something. Well, hypnosis works for pain control because pain control is inside your mind. Yeah, like you can take it away. You know, you can take away the pain. You can do a, a lot of, you know, it's a lot of strange things that you can sure, do. Sure, yeah. A lot of strange things. Um, definitely pain is one of the big deals. So that, that's what they were doing then. But chloroform came out not very long after that. And so once chloroform came out and would just knock a person out, they stopped needing the hypnotist. And so as soon as that happened in the 1950s, we just stopped using hypnosis altogether. It used to be in the American Medical Association handbooks. It used to be like just a big medical practice thing. Really? When you went to the dentist and got stuff, they, they would do hypnosis so that you could just, you know, without all the medicine, without all the knocking you out. But now we don't do that because we, we have the medications. Does know? this fall into the big pharma? I mean, there was, there was money to be made and there were influences. It was Yeah, easier. but at the same time, you know, it, you, get, you get the average guy and he's got to perform a surgery it would be more practical for you to have medicine on a hand pill. than it would be for you to be like, well, I got to find the hypnotist. He might be sleeping or he might be, you know, well, it's like an anesthesi- I mean, an, an anesthesiologist is basically a modern hypnotist. Yeah. You know, so yeah. techno pharmaceutically inclined hypnotherapist. <laughs> the, the fact that you can do stuff with pain is very intriguing. It um, is intriguing. It's intriguing. You know, the, the, the part that we've talked about, which is basically almost like self-help, you yeah. know, you can do those things like that to recorrect the patterns that you, you've been living. And then, you know, th- you have the people that are perpetual losers, basically, you know, yeah, no yeah. matter what they do, they screw up. That's me. You know, so the, <laughs> so living in some sort of, you know, a bad pattern, but you get the weird things. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know hypnosis or the spirit guy thing w- would be a deal. Um, at all until I, so one of the techniques that I use is regression. So basically your subconscious has all the memories that you've ever had, right? So we can regress you back to memory that you may have long forgotten. So maybe something you're like, oh my gosh, I'm four years old all of a sudden and I'm, you're describing yourself through that, you know, through that memory. Um, and I, I re- I'm trying to regress a person back to the cause. So I'm when, I'm, when, I, when they're in hypnosis, I say, I mean, I'm gonna regress you back to the first time this ex- you had this experience. When, and so the, the person starts telling me, I'm, I'm asking, are they inside or outside? Is it daytime or nighttime? Are they alone or people with them? I'm asking these questions, trying to get some details, some context. And they start describing themselves and describing what's going on. And I, I'm piecing together the fact that, like, this is like a different them. It's like a, a, a describing a different situation. I'm like, you know, they're talking about a different life. Mm. And so a person regressed into a past life, and I had no beliefs about that or experience with that, but someone automatically regressed into that when I asked them to go really? back the first time. They started explaining things with me, and that's when what Serena told me of like I got to get into past life regressions. I was like, well, I didn't know that was going to spontaneously happen. Jesus. So it was one of those where I I went down that path because of that's what happened, and I thought, oh well, what else can we explore now? And then we're, Britt mentioned the float spot earlier where we get in the um, float tank, the isolation. Yeah, yeah. Isolation tanks. 
which is phenomenal. And it's another thing that happened along the same timeline when we met the psychic was um, I was uh, doing the float tank and had the same epiphany of I've got to get back into hypnosis. I, this is what I this is what I've got to do. Well, Britt goes in there and comes out, and I'm expecting her to be just relaxed, you know, because you come out of that float tank, you just feel like a million bucks. I yeah, mean, it's just like like you like just slept for four hours. I mean, it's it's all like coming out from a nap or whatever, but a good nap. And she comes out and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, I was like, damn, she got that Epsom salt in her eye. Like, yeah. you rub your eye with that Epsom salt on your hand, it's teary. I'm like, uh oh, she did that. And I'm like, hey, babe, what's I'm like, are you okay? Like, what, what's up? She goes, I was talking to my dad in there. And I was like, oh, man. but your dad has passed away. So what are you saying here? And maybe Brick and like. She was like, bitch, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I know. And then she goes, I want to be able to do more of that. Can you help me? And I thought, well, I'd had the past life regression weird stuff happen during the hypnosis session. So what if hypnosis can help you with other skill sets? You know, maybe we're just using your brain. I love the way that you guys unlock shit together. Oh, it's been the most unique unfolding. It's like tennis, you know, just hitting hitting the ball back. Yeah, yeah. Right, like here, here's what I found, what you got. And it's just been a back and forth building upon like um, my intuitive wisdom that keeps coming up and then his research-based, you know, background. You know, my girlfriend and I call it the math and the magic. Oh, we call, what are, the um, muse and the, what did we call ourselves? The uh-huh. mentor and the muse. Mentor and the muse. I get yeah. it. Yeah, that's mm. so that's so accurate. Yeah, we uh, we talk a lot on the on this podcast, and anytime we get invited to do another one, we always end up talking about the the balancing of the of the masculine and feminine energies. You know, it's something that we, as a as a society or the culture, a Western culture, we don't tend to think of things in in, in woo woo terms or in terms of duality like masculine and feminine or anything like that. But you guys. It's, it's cool to see someone who embodies that in their relationship and that gets that embodiment of it. You know, you take advantage of, of, of a beautiful, divine, masculine mind and the way that, you know, Chris's brain works is just, we're, we're wired differently at a fundamental level Definitely. Than, than the feminine brain. We just are. It's true. And it's just, a, it's a difference. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a, a, a better than, less than thing, but there are just differences in the way that we see shit. JC and I have had this conversation, you know, because we've talked to, to our girls about, you know, we'll have psychedelic experiences particularly. And the way that we describe these when we come out of it in the ceremonial setting and we describe these experiences, you see all the men describe it in sort of just a more mechanical masculine kind of way. And then it's very sort of algorithmic and moving parts and events and chronology. And you're sort of explaining things in, the, in this way. And, and then uh, with the girls, it's always something very, it's very feely. Feeling. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, and this is why I think all guys should do themselves the benefit of getting into poetry. I mean, uh, even oh, if you're going to yeah. read like Bukowski or somebody like that, even if you're going to read that kind of poetry, totally fine. But get into something with some language so that you can start taking all the mechanical thoughts and building stories around Such them. Because otherwise you end up living. The, I mean, uh, I say uh, people always ask me, like, what's your favorite thing about bread or what really, you know. Why, yeah, what is it? Wh- oh, here we go. <laughs> why, why are you with her? And, and the easiest way for me to explain it, besides she's awesome, I mean, uh, but before I met Britt, my whole world was black and white. And then when Britt walked in, I suddenly had color. And that's the type of languaging we're talking about. Yeah, so that's it. So you've got to add the color. For, for all, for men, if you live by that masculine mind, if, you've, if that's your thing, I mean, s- some men have a more feminine mind, that's fine too. But like, um, 
you've got to find somebody to get somebody in your close friend group that will bring out those feminine aspects or allow you to kind of taste a little bit of that when they're in your, you know, when you're around them yeah. so that you start adding that to your life. It's, it, it's been a game changer. It's totally a game changer. And especially like we, I'm, I'm so blessed and you know, now you guys have been absorbed whether you want to or not, you're kind of absorbed into my tribe too. Um, but we've been until so he kicks us out so you kick, yeah, but that you know, there was a reason for that I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but it was a really good reason, a good reason. It was Totally totally good reason But you know you surround yourself with people you talk about, you know guys that will give you an outlet for sort of artistry and things like that But it's cool when you get that tribe of people that are kind of everyone's kind of like that Oh, you know yeah. where every dude is like all right, you know, like we've even got a buddy of ours who um, started writing poetry come come to find out you know, he used to write poetry as a kid, but no one ever wanted to hear that shit. Wow. You know what I mean? Like in high school. He's like a man's man. You know what I mean? But like we took him on his first psychedelic trip with some mushrooms for his birthday back in December. And this cat coughed up a poem <laughs> a oh few gosh. days later. And we were like, Jesus Christ, where have you been hiding this stuff? You know, and then he did another one. And so now we're like, hey, you know, keep doing that. Explore that. Bring that out because I want to read that shit. And he's, you know, he's like, really? Fuck, man, you enrich my life when you bring that stuff to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just surround yourself with people that bring that out in you. That's such a beautiful thing to do. I, yeah. I want to bring up also not just the balance of like, okay, we're a partnership and he's masculine and I'm feminine, but I think it's really about coming into balance like yin and yang with yourself because we both have masculine All and feminine there. yeah qualities. And I was very, very masculine my entire life. Femininity didn't kick in until like the last like mm, couple years or whatever because I was born in a masculine world where it's about power and money and build your business. And I did that. I've been a very successful salon owner. Um, and when I started embracing my feminine qualities of compassion and nurturing and flow and loving and accepting and all the feminine traits, which again, we need to have them all. That's why men feel un, they don't feel complete because they're not in touch with all of that, That's the it. feminine aspects. Um, and women are so angry and pissed off because we're standing in our masculine and not allowing the, the gentle, intuitive, spontaneous part of ourselves to just be free. Um, so I think that we just have to really look at it as an individual as balancing masculine and feminine, not just a partnership, because then people will feel like, well, I have to have a partner to be whole. Yeah. Look, yeah. That, that's such an important distinction. I'm so glad that you said that because I didn't even catch that. I left that that open to interpretation, but the, I did. And that's so important to realize this is not a you complete me scenario. This is I have completed myself and now I'm going to look for my perfect counterpart. And that's exactly what the lover's card in the tarot is about. It's not about needing someone else's love, but rather coming to your own understanding and belief system and, and having your own solid foundation that you show up to a partnership where they have done the same for themselves. And then you can co-create together. Not I need something from you. That's a narcissist um, empath dependency. That's a, a relationship dynamic we see a lot. Um, so it's really just about put, putting out there what it is you need for yourself and taking responsibility for that that's it yeah and the problem is if you don't do that if for some reason you don't make yourself whole first then you only love conditionally because that love has so much expectation well i loved you this much where was your love back to me and that's not love all real love is unconditional and so if you're constantly in a space where i need you to fill my cup i need you to fulfill me i need you for anything more than let's go live an amazing life together and let's see what we can build. Um, anything besides that is, I mean, 
that's a fool's game. You, you, it's going to lose no matter what. You know? Oh, you're always tugging on a person for, to fulfill your own needs in an area where you're missing, and that can be taxing on that other person. Big time. You know? Um, and that doesn't mean that we throw out people who are imperfect, right? It's right. not that. It's just being aware of our own bullshit. Yeah. And especially whenever you're in a committed, serious relationship, you know, be like, all right, I'm kind of fucked up. You're kind of fucked up. We're going to work through this together, but we're going to be aware of how the dynamics are going to work through that process. Not that we're going to snap our fingers and be perfect tomorrow, but if I'm ever kind of pulling on you too much or leaning on you too much for this, it's because I got these issues and I'm doing that. And that's all part of building a relationship. And that's communication. That's communication. Yeah. And it's a lot about being honest too. It's about coming up with the fact that, I mean, the biggest fear that we all have is the fear that we're unlovable. I mean, that's the main base fear of everything. And, and if you think that you have to be perfect for somebody to love you it's hard it's hard to be vulnerable like that it's hard yeah. to say i've got screwed up things i mean because we all do we just yeah. don't really talk about it as much um but My it's coming all fucked up man <laughs> i laid mine out on the table day one it, you did it, but it's coming from that place of, of saying like well i have things to work on too and if we can work on together that would be fantastic and if we can't then i wish you the best in life and I'm, i hope you find someone that can help you that way you know and it's like coming from that space is so different that's it's tremendous. It's one, so different. One of the lessons I teach in Shine School is that your relationships are a reflection of you. And so the relationships that you attract into your life are typically ones that are going to mirror back to you uh, the annoyances and the celebrations, too. There were parts of Chris that I really was inspired by his ability to build a business, take an idea, and just go after it. He quit college um, his junior year because he was called to head down another path and that courage I could really identify with but there was also a lot of anger and pain and um, uh, I think we just that would describe it anger and pain uh, that triggered me because I had a lot of that as well and so like I said from the beginning Chris's idea of true love is investing in each other's spiritual growth and that is being open and communicating and saying hey I have these issues I have this darkness and I, I'm I'm dealing with it so I want you to be aware so it, it's kind of like Chris tracks my period so every month he knows like if I'm being crazy during this week kind of makes to sense. back off 200 like, IQ move right there yeah just <laughs> yeah I mean you're, you're turning the whole franchise around with that shit so you got to do that if you're a guy you're not tracking it you're leaving yourself in the dark I mean yeah. I don't I don't like to be just totally surprised so no much. especially no. with something that's going to come up every month yeah it's going to happen that's genius man you're playing Smart. 4D chess. <laughs> really? <laughs> this is next level stuff. I'm going to come home and he's going to be levitating one day. I believe it. I'm, I'm surprised certain. he's not already with that. Can I, ask, can I ask a question? Since you guys have uh, been together uh, uh, longer than me and my wife for short, but you've sustained this balance. One of the things that um, over time in a long relationship. Chris learned to shut his mouth. <laughs> I learned, uh, I learned uh, that people that grow together through that growth, that personal growth and the growth in the relationship, you change. You fundamentally change, right? Your needs change, who you are as a person changes. So five years into a relationship, you both have grown, but you've grown in different directions. And I think some people go, man, we had it so good for so long. And as you start to grow, do you find that there are difficult moments or how do you guys deal with the, the ever-changing evolution of who you are as a person in your relationship and how that evolves? Boom, good question. All right, so we do a couple of things. 
the first thing is and we did we everything is an accidental discovery everything we've ever discovered was not because i was super smart and made it happen but it's because we've stumbled into it we've just been dumb enough to fall down and just look at the clues that are on the ground and one of the things we did before we went vegan a while before we went, we went keto and this is before keto was popular this is maybe i don't know 10, 10 plus like nine, years ago nine, nine years, years ago. ago so no one even knew what keto was it yeah. wasn't even a conversation and so we started doing it and the way that the diet was set up was that you had to go on an hour walk every day and this is texas so you can't go on an hour walk except at like one o'clock at night right yeah one in the morning so we would start going on these walks all the time and what i realized was that i'd never met brit before those walks because you're always distracted by something you're yeah. distracted by the food you're distracted by the cars going by on the road you're always in, a, in the movies in the bedroom you're distracted like no matter what but on the walks we're not looking at each other. We're walking and both looking forward. And when you have an hour to walk and you're going to do it every single day, you eventually, everything comes out because you have to, because you're next to each other. And so one of the big things on our journey was that we always talked about it. It's not that we still do those hour long walks, but we do a lot of short walks. And one of the questions that we have on our walk that we do every week, there's one question that we always ask. If you were to rate this week on a scale from one to 10, What's the number and what would it take to make it better? And so when you ask that question repeatedly, you grow together because you find out that the reason why we don't grow, to grow together is because either one person doesn't communicate what their needs are or the other person doesn't fulfill those needs. Or there's no clear goals yeah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't. Yeah. You, you don't. You don't view each other in the future. Like when you think about your future, if you don't see the person that you're with in the future, if you're not going to be in the future. Yeah. So I would like to say that you have to decide with your partner are you willing to climb the street together and if the answer is yes then the next part of that is to accept that sometimes you're going to go down this branch and she's going to go down this branch and you guys are going to be at opposite ends of the spectrum but because you're on the same tree you know that you're supported you know that you're there for each other so it's really a, a question of asking are we in it to win it or do we know that this really isn't this doesn't really feel in alignment anymore and i mean honestly the 99 percent of the true readings i do for the women um they end up getting a divorce because they've been in a relationship for the wrong reasons a lot of it is empath narcissist dynamic where yeah. they get trapped in that cycle so um, i i'm not saying go divorce your wife at all but i'm just asking you know are are you in it to win it Oh, no, definitely. It feels it, like it. I just I thought it was a great uh, perspective to get from you guys. Yeah. That's that's very similar to, to how we, we we're very communicative uh, and we're constantly asking each other, how are things going in your life? What what can I do? Or uh, if things aren't going well, if if she's unhappy with me or I'm happy with her, we're very vocal. Hey, I just want you to know oh, this happened and this is how I feel about it. And yeah. that's been a great um, revelation that, that we've carried on this whole time but you guys have such a unique perspective and are so well spoken that I think that's a lot of things uh, a, a big thing that a lot of people don't necessarily take into consideration as you grow in life and the spiritual journey that you go on you change you know you get with somebody you start out as a certain person and as you start to grow your needs start to change your emotions start to change your perceptions start to change so you have to be um, aware of those changes and you have to communicate those to your yeah. partner and they have to be aware that they can do that as well to you. And I just think that's a fundamental thing. And I just, I, beautifully put, but I, I really wanted to hear y'all's perspective. I think it's important to talk about. Yeah. Communication matters so much, man. And uh, 
understanding it all starts with understanding yourself because what are you going to communicate if you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah otherwise you're just going to regurgitate stuff you've heard yeah you're just gonna, yeah ex- exactly which is so problematic and so misleading you know because you might be just sort of word vomiting the only thing that you've heard of how to express how you feel and then it comes out nothing like what you're really going through you know and then your partner's commu- communicating in a whole different way and they're going they're trying to understand and they don't get it. Yeah. I, th- I think that's why, too, mushrooms are so important because the, the first thing you realize on mushrooms is that language is the most ineffective way that we have God. of communicating things. We talk about that so much. You're like, I don't, I, I, don't, I lack the vernacular to really describe the experience that I just had. Yeah. You know, and, and you're like, how, how shame on us. Shame on us for creating a language that's just not good enough. Yeah, it's, it's devoid of the divine. And then you start, totally true. Wow, beautifully Beautiful. put. And, and, you, and, you, and you start to realize all of my thoughts are with words. And what are words for if not to paint pictures? Well, if you put letters together to yeah. make a word, it's called spelling. So yeah, abracadabra. It is. That's exactly it. I have this theory that the English language is actually on purpose, it which is. is why it's like it was only created in the 1500s. And like Sanskrit has so many more sounds. And if our words and sounds are what created the the earth according to people's book then shouldn't we be more mindful about all the different sounds that we're making absolutely right. absolutely so i'm on to this english language well thing. i started with latin i think we uh we looked up i didn't know why latin was called latin uh apparently the area around rome because i was like why isn't it called roman right because a lot of people, people don't realize that like oh god okay but so we might have to have a part two yeah we're gonna <laughs> there's gonna be multiple parts to this anyway <laughs> Language matters. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. But we'll get into Latin later. Um, what the fuck am I seeing? Wow. That was a very encrypted message. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I get it. Um, we're at the two-hour mark. How you guys feel? Amazing. I feel like we definitely need a part two. All right. Four three. Yeah, prob- uh, probably going to be an ongoing rolling conversation. How much did time dilate for you during this last two hours? It didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That is hypnosis. Yeah. Oh, look who was just hypnotized. I, I was hypnotized, finally. He's doing it on the slide the whole time. You let it happen. Just waving his microphone around. I know. Uh-huh. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all are awesome. Thank you. Same I love you. you. I love you both so much. Your energy is insane. I don't know that cameras are going to be able to pick up just how much you guys fill a room um but you make it glow and uh the place is brighter having had you in it and uh that goes for the world too thank you you. really really appreciate having you guys here i'm gonna i'm gonna walk out of here feeling supercharged um why don't you plug your stuff uh i think it's safe to say that we're definitely going to do a a part two and a part three and this is going to probably be an ongoing conversation certainly The, the first of many wonderful enlightening conversations on and off camera so thankful that y'all came by so plug your stuff tell us where to find you yeah absolutely so you can find me on instagram at the world by brit and we run a monthly membership club called the elevated life together you can find that on my website at brittanycarmichael.com yep and you can find me on instagram at hey it's carmichael I love Super that. Super simple. Yeah. Super simple. So if you want to get hypnotized or get a tarot reading, yeah, um, or just you know experience the company of two wonderful, vibrant souls, that's how you're gonna do it. It's all that visualization up your stairwell. Any last messages for the homies? Mm. Yeah. Relax. Be yourself. Just summing it up like that. 
on that note, we're going to call it, guys. May the light be upon you. May peace be within you. And may you be a son on the paths of all men. God bless you guys. Go out and have a great week. Treat each other well. Namaste. It's already-